Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 63. Speak and Destroy is a podcast about Metallica, and I'm your host, Ryan J. Downing. My guest this episode is rock photographer Mark Weiss. Mark has taken so many classic, iconic, I would say legendary photos of hard rock and heavy metal bands stretching back across the decades. I'm talking about bands like Van Halen, Aerosmith, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and of course, Metallica. He's recently published a book of his photos featuring a lot of classic shots that you'll likely recognize and a bunch of unreleased, candid photos called The Decade That Rocked, focused on the 1980s. Mark was the main photographer for Ozzy Osbourne for a number of years, including during the 1986 tour that featured an opening band called Metallica. That's where Mark first met and shot the band and took a bunch of killer photos during what would prove to be their final months with the late, great Cliff Burton. Mark was also drafted to take the very first publicity photos with new bassist Jason Newstead. Those pictures with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background and the fog and some other photos he took that same day in the band's rehearsal space with the three guys and their new bases goofing around. Some of Mark's other notable experiences, which we talk about in this episode, are the Moscow Music Peace Festival, Twisted Sister frontman Dee Snyder's appearance at the PMRC hearings, some Dream Warriors-era photos of Don Dawkin, George Lynch, and Freddy Krueger, Ozzy dressed up as the Easter Bunny, shooting a very strung-out Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, and his brush with the mighty Glenn Danzig. Remember, the best way to support this podcast is to go into Apple Podcasts and write a nice review and leave a five-star rating and or do the same thing at your podcast listening platform of choice. You can find out a lot more about our guests at SpeakingDestroy.com. Subscribe to the Speaking Destroy YouTube channel and follow Speaking Destroy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. Check out all of our other PopCurse shows at PopCurse.com. And be sure to dive into the Speaking Destroy archive to hear past episodes with guests like M. Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, Rob Flynn of Machine Head, Gary Holt of Exodus and Slayer, and many, many more. So here it is, my conversation with Mark Weiss. This is Speak and Destroy. introduced to music because my brother was two years older than me and he had like a garage band that would play like Steppenwolf and and Agata DeVita and you know so of course the street from my house they all jammed and I was uh probably like 10 or 11 at the time uh so I would just hang out you know and you know hang out with my bro and watch him play and have all the kids you know watch them and then you know my brother had all the <clears throat> the records and the magazine subscriptions to like circus and you know magazines like that uh rock magazines and i would just you know look at them 
and uh, just that's where I, you know, had an interest and, you know, uh, had some card games and with my brother and I would always tag along and everyone would always be talking about David Bowie or uh, Led Zeppelin. And so I just hear all this chitter chatter about all this cool stuff. And I'm just like a sponge absorbing all this. And that's how I kind of, you know, started listening to, you know, music, you know, rock music. Um, and then, uh, you know, like we started going to concerts. He started bringing me to, with him to Crosby Stills, Nash and Young. It was like the, it was really like the first concert in 1974 at Roosevelt Stadium where, uh, there was like, 60,000 people there and uh and and it was actually like a really uh Woodstockian kind of feel because uh you know there's all this pot going on girls you know topless and and to top it off David Crosby came out I believe it was David or might have been Graham Nash came out and announced that uh Nixon resigned so it was a real oh, wow. <laughs> it was a historic, historic day and you know yeah. just uh you know it just had a had an impact on me, and then I and then I just started going to concerts, uh, sneaking into shows. Elton John played, and uh, and then Aerosmith. I uh, started sneaking my cameras into Peter Frampton, uh, and I just wanted to, you know, be I wanted to do something different. And I had a camera for, that I got from someone's lawn, so I had that hanging. I was I was in my in my my room that I used to stare at all the time because I when I first got my camera. I, I just started taking pictures of my, you know, my family and my dog and events, and I got kind of bored with it. But then when I started going to rock shows, I said, you know, let me let me see what I can, you know, bring my camera in, and that's what I did. And I got excited about about it. And then I got I started showing the kids in school when I was in high school, and got a lot of attention that uh, was cool. I met a lot of a lot of girls started coming up to me because I was kind of a shy kid. And, uh, you know, it, it set me apart from everyone because, uh, I got all this attention. Oh, you shot Peter Frampton. They're all wearing the shirts and they were all at the shows and I'm selling them out of my high school locker and in front of the concerts. Uh, so that's how I kind of cut my teeth into, into shooting rock and roll. And then at what point did that transform into a uh, professional photographer? You know, where did you go from sneaking in and shooting kind of for the love of it and then figuring out, hey, I can get paid for this. I can I can be on assignment and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, it was never about being paid or anything like that. I, I just I just my next step after I got arrested for selling pictures at a kiss show at the garden. <laughs> 77, I went to jail overnight and then the next day I picked up one of the subscriptions to the circus magazine and I saw that, you know, they were in New York City. So I just hopped on a train with my photography and just knocked on the door and they hung, you know, they let me hang out for a few hours until they had some time. And then, uh, you know, that was my first kind of break that I didn't get published right away, but they gave me some advice and they said, when you feel like you got some pictures with different kind of film, uh, you know, come back. And Aerosmith played that summer, the summer of 78. I just graduated high school and I had a, some really cool photos of Steven Tyler and Aerosmith and Ted Nugent. And I left them at the office. And a few months later, it was in the centerfold of Steven Tyler and Circus Magazine, the biggest wow. picture of the book. So that was, you know, so then I got paid my first, you know, my, you know, hundred bucks. I got 125 and it wasn't about the money. It's just about seeing my name on there. And, 
it was never about the money. It still isn't. Uh, of course, you need to, you know, pay your bills and it's turned into a business. But really, I was just doing it for the love of it and uh, being able to hang out with bands that I, you know, grew up with and then saw emerge. You know, as I was emerging as a photographer, they were emerging as uh, rock stars, like, mm -hmm. you know, most of them, you know, from Bon Jovi. I mean, I shot him when he was in the rest when he was 18. You know, I shot... Um, uh, you know, Motley Crue when they first came out, Quiet Riot, Rad, Dokken, you know, all these bands. Uh, so I kind of grew with them. And then also bands like ACDC, Scorpions, and Van Halen, and, you know, those bands uh, took notice to my photography. And because I started working for Circus and other rock mags, you know, they, they give you a little more access and mm -hmm. then they get to know you. And once they get to know you, then that's the real you know, test, you know, that they want you to be around and maybe get hired by them and do album coverage and photo shoots. And I was fortunate enough to, to, for them to like me, you know, and like my work and, and it just snowballed, you know, really was, it's not really much of an effort. You know, the effort came when I was doing these elaborate photo shoots for the album covers, like for stay hungry or, you know, uh, slippery one wet or wasp the last command, you know, that's when things started you know, becoming a little more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, backing up just a little bit too, I, I love that story about, you know, seeing the address of the magazine, getting on the train and just showing up with your photos. It's actually, you know, a couple decades removed, but it's very similar to how I began my career as a professional journalist. I was interviewing my friends' bands and printing up fanzines. Uh, one of my buddies who was helping me lay out the fanzine his dad worked at Xerox. So we would go to Xerox over the weekend, like the corporate office and use the copy machines to make our zines. And it was the same thing. The, the uh, local weekly newspaper, I just showed up to the address, <laughs> walked in the lobby with some of my fanzines and was like, I want to write about bands. Um, so yeah, I love that, you know, and, and, and obviously that's changed so much now since when you did that, since when I did that, with the internet and I mean, you know, email wasn't even really being used that much when I did that. And then, you know, fast forward to social media and all of that, you know, people are bombarding one another trying to get yeah. their foot in the proverbial door. But I, there's something really pure about that era and those moments when people like us <laughs> would just physically show up on the doorstep and be like, Hey, I want to do something. Not, not even knowing what a job there meant in my case, you know, it's just like, yeah. I just, I like doing this. I would like to do it for you. And then a little bit of, I think I can do it better than the people that are doing it here now. Exactly. Or, you know, I used to look at the pictures in the magazine. It's like, you know, my pictures look just as good as that. Right. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I think a lot of great bands come from that too. When people hear a band and they go, I can, you know, especially in the, the punk and metal world, like, well, I could probably do something as approximating as, as cool as that. And, and off they go. Um, you touched on something that I, I wanted to get into as well. And, you know, in the early days, who was the first band that you remember developing that relationship with where it went from, you know, a step beyond, oh, I've got a photo pass, I'm in the photo pit, or I'm, I'm taking pictures of you live to, okay, now I'm backstage to, okay, now they're, they're asking me to uh, do their publicity shoots and their album shoots and all that. Who, who was the first that you remember being kind of welcomed into that inner circle? 
Uh, I would probably say Motley Crue, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, 1982, I did my first shoot with them. I was already established. I was already working for Circus, uh, but they were just coming out, and uh, I worked for this magazine called We. It was a men's magazine, and I would shoot naked women, half-naked women with rock stars. Uh-huh. I saw some of those in the book. <laughs> yeah, and they were uh, – you know, they were up for it. And, you know, Nikki even says in the book that that photo kind of depicts that band, you know, and it kind of set the stage of, you know, what was what Molly Crew was about. So it was like the perfect first shoot to for the for the world to see, you know, and then, you know, just developed a relationship. And they played the US Festival the next year. And then they got they did their own tour, theater tour. And then they got the Aussie tour. And at that point, I was Aussie's photographer. Mm. So. Uh, you know, and then I started going on their bus and hanging with them and, you know, it just kind of snowballed into a bunch of friendship, uh, and a lot of fun in between. Yeah. Oz, Oz is going to figure, I think, pretty prominently into our conversation. I mean, I, I could literally talk to you for hours because there's so much stuff that you've shot that, um, has been important to me in my life. I mean, even just that picture of, uh, of Axel and the cat house sweatshirt with the old Saved by the Bell style uh, phone leaning right. on a payphone. That was, I mean, you know, at the dawn of Facebook, that was my cover image on my Facebook page for years. <laughs> it's, just okay. such a, it's just such a cool photo. Um, I mean, but yeah, it goes on and on and on. I mean, you know, stuff that I loved as a kid, Billy Idol, uh, you know, stuff way before I even got into metal. There's a bunch of stuff you shot, you know, Live Aid. But let's yeah. let's talk about um, Ozzy in particular and how that relationship developed, because of course that you know, led to doing more stuff with Motley and, and I believe your introduction to Metallica. Yeah. Well, Ozzy was great because he'd always have a good opening band opening for him. And I would just, you know, uh, introduce myself in this case, Metallica. Uh, I said, you know, I'm going to be around with Ozzy here and there, not for the whole tour, but I'll come in for a couple of weeks, go back, I want to, you know, do some other bands and then, and then eventually uh, come back with photos to show them. And uh, I said, you might, you know, let's take some photos. So they were uh, sure, of course. So they gave me kind of carte blanche. We did photos before the show, after the show, and their bathrobes, which is featured in the book. You know, just uh, a lot of different scenarios. And then when, sadly, when Cliff passed, uh, they had me go to San Francisco to shoot when uh, Jason got in the band. So I got, yeah. I got some of the last photos of Cliff and the first, definitely the first photo of, Jason with the band because uh, they use that for their publicity photos, which is in the book as well. Yeah. Um, and before before we get into to Jason, even um, let's rewind even just a little bit um, with Ozzy. What were those first few experiences with Ozzy like? I mean, you have so many great photos of him. A lot of the madman, fun, loving, you know, dressing in drag and goofing around and all that sort of stuff that we associate with Ozzy you know, for people listening to this to understand most of those photos are yours. <laughs> the pictures like yeah. that, that are, that are out probably, there that are famous. Those, you know, you took them, they're in your book. Yeah. Probably all of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we just like having being goofy and having fun. Uh, and I, I kind of inspired it, you know, but he ran with the ball and then we both kind of just went with it. You know, uh, most of them were my ideas and he just pretty much, trusted me and if something didn't work i would know not to send it out or you know i would have him approve it anyway but in the case where 
he came into my studio in 84 to do some photos. Uh, we, we shot him, uh, with Amy, the baby in drag, dressed up like a housewife, like mm-hmm. Diary of a Madman, mm-hmm. you know, Diary of a Madman. And we did Diary of a Mad Housewife for the Mother's Day issue. <laughs> Uh-huh. So that that was the theme. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do some cool rock photos also, and that was it. So they come in, and uh, Ozzy and Sharon come in, and all of a sudden Ozzy goes, "What's that?" Like, and there, I I I shared my studio with another a commercial photographer. So there was props left around every once in a while, and I never knew what he had there. So in the corner there was this uh, Easter Bunny outfit. This guy <laughs> some, this guy was doing some kind of you know, Easter thing with, I don't even know what it was, but it was just hanging out there. I didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. You know, this big trustly thing with uh, flowers in it and this big Easter thing. And so he looked at it, he goes, what's that, Mark? And I said, what's, what do you mean? And I looked at it and, was the, and I quickly said, oh, that's, that's what we're going to do for the cover. It's the <laughs> You're going to be the Easter bunny. And he looked at me, he goes, really? He goes, Sharon, do I have to put that on? And, and uh, she's like, oh, you got you boys have fun, you know, and then she took off. And I remember, you know, it was the first time I heard Ozzy like yell, Sharon, you know, <laughs> and she left. And then when we walked in and I'm like, is he going to, I'm going to, you know, let's see if he puts it on. And sure enough, you know, after like the first thing we did is he put on this outfit and he was having a hard time putting it on, like really going, Mark, do I really got to put this on? And I was just kidding around. Like, I didn't think he was going to do it. And he put it on <laughs> And once he had it on, he started hopping around and making funny faces <laughs> and all that. And then, uh, so then I didn't even tell Sharon that I did it, you know, she wasn't there. And then I, I didn't do anything with the film. It's like, who's going to want to see the Prince of Darkness in a bunny outfit? I didn't even want to show Ozzy and Sharon, you know, I thought Sharon would be, be mad that I took it. You yeah. Know? But then like, like 20 years later, you know, I, that was shot in 84, like 20 years later, I just sent them, it was Easter, and I was looking through my photos, and I saw those photos, you know, I, and I sent them, I sent them some uh, scans of it, and uh, and uh, she posted it on Easter, you know, oh, she brilliant. posted it. So I said, the Aussie bunny is out of the Aussie closet, the bunny closet. <laughs> and then every year we both post them, and they're all over, the, you know, everyone, yeah. like, shares them and everything, it's fun. I love uh, I love I love that that idea too that theatricality of like when uh, when you're in the costume the costume kind of takes over. I would imagine some of those yeah. shoots you've done like you know I think it's theater of pain era those shots of Motley where they're in the uh, like gangster outfits with the Tommy yeah. guns and and all of that. Do you do you find that when you get bands in those environments that they start kind of you know it's like Halloween when you're in a Halloween costume and you start kind of becoming the character. Do you, do you oh, yeah. see that happening? Yeah, that's why I like doing it. So I get a different persona out of them, you know. So I'm always looking for props. I used to have uh, this blow-up balloon of guitar, and I used to bring it, you know, on the road with me just for something different. And I figured, you know, you get, like, a few of them doing the same thing, doing different poses with the same, you know, blow-up, same prop. It could be a nice little photo layout which it ended up being in the book. Uh, you know, I had like two or three artists blowing up these balloons, these guitar balloons mm-hmm. and playing whatever they're going to do with it. They bite it. They throw it on their, you know, they bend it in half. You know, everyone does something different. 
so uh i do i did that kind of stuff because you know it takes them out of the the, the monotony of a regular photo shoot yeah you know what it's it's really interesting to hear that technique from a photographer perspective as well because that's something especially you know a, a big portion of my career has been interviewing actors and filmmakers and often at press junkets and and at those you know they're talking to 50 reporters from all around the world in five 10 minute increments all weekend long so my strategy over time developed into you know what can i do without being super gimmicky or or over the top it was like you know what can i do to shake them out of the robot mode of this sort of dry question and answer thing they've been doing all day and um man it's so great when you can break the ice like that with with artists who get you know stuck in these routines i think that's that's so crucial as a photographer i think that's some really great insight into the whole process oh thanks yeah yeah so going to the ultimate sin tour i guess you know that's such a monumental turning point in metallica's career uh, that whole tour with ozzy had you uh, I, I assume especially given the circles you traveled in that you were probably familiar with the band before do you remember the first time you you heard them or heard of them you know i don't remember you know i don't really remember metallica at all i mean i must have heard of them but i just i don't remember when i first i heard of them or anything you know uh I wasn't really into thrash and, you know, that was the first record that was a little more commercial, I think. So I kind of like, I started liking them when I, when they, they were on that tour. And also, you know, you're in the pit shooting them. Of course, you, you know, you start liking them because, you know, it's right in your face. Mm -hmm. And they're such a powerful band. You know, how could you like, you know, how could you not, you know, feel the energy and, and the songs were awesome. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, just, being around uh, the bands, uh, you kind of you learn to like them, even if you don't. Even if you don't like <laughs> right, them, you know, right. like I remember shooting Nelson, and they were on tour with someone. Uh, and you know, it's not my cup of tea, but you know, you start hearing the songs every night, and you start liking them, and they're catchy, and you know, you start coming a coming a fan. Yeah, I found that as a as a reporter, especially when I've done, you know really in-depth cover stories, even if I'm not a huge fan of the music or if it's just kind of like, oh, I respect it, but it's not really for me. Once you start connecting with people on a human level and, and understanding a bit about their story and who they are, suddenly you take a different listen to the art that they create. You know, it, 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 right. it starts to resonate with you or connect with you a little differently. Um, one of the things I really love looking at those pictures, you know, uh, staying in the cliff era for a moment, you can really tell in their demeanor and their body language and their facial expressions, uh, the level of comfort and trust that they have with you, which I think for that band in any era, but even in that era, you know, they're a little guarded. They're a little, um, out of their element when they're out being the support band. Um, so what do you think it was about those guys and, and your chemistry with them that, you know, right away, uh, you know, they're doing pictures in their bathrobe and they're goofing around and they're, they just look like they're having fun when they're with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't do, I say stupid things sometimes to get a laugh, you know, nothing too crazy. Just like the typical, uh, you know, you know, give it to me, baby, you know, stuff like that, you know, that you would say to a hot chick. So <laughs> you can laugh at that. Uh, and just being there and not making a big deal about it. 
um, letting them be who they are, and then just guiding them around a little bit. Because, uh, you know, after a show or before a show, they're all they're pretty amped up. And it doesn't take much to get an emotion out of them. But, you know, I, the, the trick to being a, a good photographer is you need to, um, you know, you need to get them in the spot and then get the get some kind of emotion and make sure they, they look good. I mean, that's what I like to do. I like to make them look good. And whatever it is, sometimes I have to come up and like move them around physically if they're, if they're not, if they're not really listening or understanding, uh, which could cause some conflict sometimes. <laughs> a certain, a certain man whose initials are G and D comes to mind. It's in the book. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I want to talk about that in a second also, but, uh, with the, with that first photo shoot, with Jason, I mean, that's obviously yet another massive turning point and transitional time in their career. And, uh, you know, they're obviously just getting to know Jason. Uh, were those, are, are those the pictures uh, with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, so what was that like? What was the, what was the vibe that I day? Was, yeah. I was kind of surprised that, you know, I mean, I guess you got to move on and make the best of it. And I'm sure they grieved and all but, you know, it happened pretty quick. You know, they didn't skip a beat. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just seemed like new blood in the band. Uh, they seemed like a like a tight family. And it seemed like it was just another a new era, a new chapter in Metallica's career. And I was and I was really like honored to at that point that they chose me to, you know, take those photographs out of everyone they could have chosen. Uh, do you remember whose idea it was to go up on that hill with the the clouds and the bridge and stuff in the background? I, I don't know. Probably Lars or James uh, or mine. You know, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, probably one of those guys, though. A lot of shit. And then we did, then we did some a, a bunch of photos of them just in the rehearsal place. You know, kidding around with some fisheye things and uh, yeah. So that's what we did. I love that. Uh, Jason's in the Metallica shirt in those photos. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's a newbie. Yeah, he's he's wearing he's wearing wearing the colors right away. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah, well, and I mentioned it so uh, pe people listening that haven't read the book are probably going to be like, "What are they talking about?" But I, I think Danzig was, you know, you tell an anecdote in the in the book about how you know he loved the photos. The photos turned out great, but. The, uh, the you didn't necessarily mesh in person. I'll let, I'll let you tell yeah. it. Well, it's like I never met him before. They came in. The record company hired me to do the album packaging for their first album, his first solo album, and uh, I just treat him treat him like any other band, and just trying to get some nice portraits. And they seemed a little, you know, more stern and a little hard ass. So, and I knew I knew a bit about them, of course. You know, you got to do a little research. And then I just, you know, put them up in the studio, kind of arranged them, started shooting them, and they they needed a little help, you know, because Glenn, you know, had was like with his head back, it gave him like a double chin, and I wanted to have him move forward, and he didn't quite understand what I was talking to because he didn't like he didn't anytime I said something he, he didn't move, and so I went up to the band, a couple of other guys too, so I went one at a time move because they weren't move they weren't moving it was like a, a deer in the headlights so i would 
just come over and went to the first guy and moved him around a little bit. Then I went to the second guy, moved him around. When I went to uh, went to went to Glenn, he's like, "Don't touch me." I'm like, <laughs> I says, "All right, no problem." And then that was it. And I just took a few more film, a few more roles, and I said, "Okay, we got it. We're done." And that was it, really. Uh, and then I turned in the film, and then I called the record company up. I said, "How's, how's it going? Everyone like everything?" And they said, "Yeah, everyone loved the photos, but..." Glenn doesn't never wants to shoot with you again. And I said, really? I said, why? He goes, I, I don't know what anything w weird happened there. I said, well, I told him the story. He's like, Oh, you should never have touched him. I'm a, a big film fan and a huge Fred head for all the way back from the first movie. I've had the opportunity to interview Robert England uh, a, a couple of times over the years. He's an absolute sweetheart. Um, talk to me about shooting Freddy Krueger, George Lynch, and Don Dawkins. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah, so they were filming uh, one of the videos that they did. Uh, was it Dream Warrior? Probably? Yeah. yeah. And I was on the video set, and I always bring my lights with me, and I like to do studio shoots because they're all in hair and makeup, and there's downtime. So I set something up, and I saw Freddy there and uh, in, in makeup ready to go because he was going to be in the video. And I just, you know, I just did a shoot, you know, did a shot of them. I said, hey, of course, you know, Don was there. They don't, it's not like they were on a movie set for a million hours. So it was just a fun photo shoot. I mean, fun video shoot. And I just pulled them for like 20 minutes and I got some cool images, which, you know, which I definitely had to put in the book, you know. What, what was uh, Robert like? back then when he's when he's in the makeup and he's in the costume was he um, yeah, in character was, a little bit is he you know what, what was what was the vibe oh yeah it's definitely in character you know because that's what you, you need to be you need them to be in character so i would call him freddy uh and uh he just he was good you know he gave me the claws and it was scary and everything else and i know don and george really you know we're trying to be serious and but they were just cracking up all the time. <laughs> um, the band that introduced me to metal in the first place as a kid was Megadeth. Still one of my favorite bands of all time. Some of my favorite records ever. I've um, had the massive pleasure and honor of becoming um, friends with uh, both Daves, uh, particularly Dave Ellison, but also Mr. Mustaine as an adult. Uh, so I got to ask you about some of those photos too. You've got some of those classic flying v and you know when i think about megadeth in the 80s especially i think about you know the tight jeans and the bright colored reeboks and yeah you know, that, that whole thing what was your uh what was your first experience with megadeth all about uh i you know i don't really remember too much about that it was just you know uh you know i would go to a shoot a show and set up some lights and try to get them before the show uh they were almost always agreeable and I love trap cases. I like shooting against trap cases. So, you know, instead of shooting up against the backdrop, it gives a little more character to it. So, you know, just, you know, Dave has the, the guitar and we flipped it around. So it was like un, under his face. And, you know, Dave's very theatrical on stage and, you know, what I mean, like in photo shoots. So they're, they're a good subject. I shot them throughout the years and then. I shot him uh, at the end of the decade when they did this 
show uh, at the Concrete Foundations Forum uh, where Alice Cooper executed him from the Shocker track, uh, uh, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And I was there doing that, and that was a lot of fun. He had the orange jumpsuit, and he was that was it was in bad that was bad days for him with drugs. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, um, uh, he just I don't know if you saw he just put out a new book about the making of Rust in Peace. Right. Um, and yeah, I actually did the forward to the book with Slash, and oh. um, he talks about that photo that photo shoot. And yeah, and that oh, was cool. that was right in the. Well, he definitely talks about being in the jumpsuit and being in the chair. Um, yeah, right, right, right. It was like some kind of like an after party or something, maybe. Or was that well, on stage? No, it was uh, on stage. They did it in front of an audience, and Alice came out, and they 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 played the music, the soundtrack. Uh, I don't think a band played. Okay, and then, and then that, they, that's yeah, that's they, definitely in the book. He talks about it. Yeah, they dragged him into the electric chair, and he was. Did, did they talk about how, like, fucked up he was? Yes. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the book. The book talks a lot about that in general, and particularly that yeah. that story. So, yeah. So I went to. Tra- I knocked on the trailer, and I said, "Hey, it's Mark, man." And he goes, "Hey, come on in." And he was all fucked up, and uh, and I said, "Can I take a few shots?" You know, and he said, "Yeah, sure." So uh, I'm taking pictures, and he starts giving me this gnarly mouth grins and you know like dave mustaine style with the lips twirling you know like mm-hmm. kind of swishing together he has a cigarette in his mouth and then he starts burning himself with a cigarette on his arms and i'm taking photos of him like putting you know cigarettes out on him and then his manager's looking at him he's like oh come on mark i think we had enough yeah and, and dave's like no it's cool man let's you know and he was just so messed up i mean i can't imagine what was going through his head uh you know sure he talks about it in his book but you know being electrocuted smacked out by alice cooper like what the hell <laughs> what did he say did he say anything like, it had to say- be confusing yeah i know he just he talks about sort of the the state that um that they were all in in that era and, and that being a moment i mean i remember i think it's in the megadeth behind the music uh you know right around that time penelope spears shooting music videos with Megadeth and, and saying, you know, this guy showed up and he couldn't, he couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, right. Yeah, it was definitely dark days and definitely a, a, a hole that they climbed out of and somehow came out with, you know, arguably their best record <laughs> out, of, out of all of that. So let's talk, let's talk about two things. I, I definitely don't want to let this end without having talked about. One is the Moscow Music Peace Festival. Um, speaking of historic, um, what can you tell me about that and your, your involvement with it and your experience and so on? Uh, well, I went over with John and the band uh, in the wintertime just to check, meet all the dignitaries ahead of time. Uh, so that was kind of cool. It was for Rolling Stone. And then uh, I went over on the plane with them all. And it was just, you know, it was a, all the, every rock star you get that was on the, the bill was on that plane. And uh, just a lot of fun. You know, it was like a high school reunion. Yeah, the plane. I, you hear a lot about the, the plane ride for that. What was, um, what, was, what, was the, what was the plane like? I mean, gosh, talk about your, yeah. your, hev- your heavy metal big bopper uh, Buddy Holly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, thank God that plane was, was landed safely. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we all had, we had our, we took over the plane. Peter Max was on it and he painted it, you know, the famous artist from the seventies, sixties and seventies. And, uh, bands had guitars. People were playing, you know, songs together. People were passed out in the, underneath the seats. You know, there was vodka on the plane. It was supposed to be like a drug free kind of, you know, you know, alcohol free kind of event, but you know, we managed to get alcohol in, in duty free shops <laughs> and sneak it on or whatever we got it on. And you know, pretty much everyone was trashed except for uh, Motley Crue because they were sober then. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, once we got there, there was, uh, I wanted to get that image like the Beatles when they got off the planes, you know? So, yeah. I got, I made sure everyone, everyone, they landed and I was in the back and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get off first. I want to get everyone walking off. And, you know, I got some really cool images. And then once they all got off and they were all talking and, you know, chatting, they all went upstairs and looked down at the plane. I told everyone and I just kind of orchestrated like 50 people to get one photo. And it was tough. They were, <laughs> all, you know, flipping me the bird and, yeah. yeah. Oh, Weiss, yeah, you got it, don't you? I said, come on. I said, guys, come on, give me a break here. This is tough for me, you know. So and, it's, and it's history, you know. But they're glad. Yeah. I bet they're glad they cooperated now. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you about the PMRC hearings. You know, obviously, there's that vivid image of of D, um, you know, going in there. It kind of reminded me. You know, it was almost like a, a precedent for years later when you would see Manson getting interviewed and, uh, you know, they expect him to be this maniac and then he comes on and he's super articulate and he has all these insightful things to say, you know, I feel like D was the, the archetype for that at those PMRC hearings where he, he walks in and that, you know, looking yeah. like he does, but then he sits down and says what he says. Yeah. He definitely like, you know, gave them a run for their money because, uh, you know, I remember Al Gore, then Senator Al Gore, because his wife was leading the pack, Tipper. And he's like, so, Mr. Snyder, what does SMF stand for? And D goes, SMF stands for the sick motherfucker fans of Twisted Sister. And and, he's, and he looked at him like, okay, like he wasn't, like wasn't going to, like he got him or something. Like, you know, they're just words. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. not like, you know, kill your mother, or, you know, or anything like that. It's just words that he says, I'm sure, you know, to his wife even, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, come on, get the, you know, uh, motherfucker, you know, shit that we say. And, uh, you know, he just took stupid, instead of really talking about the issue, he took, you know, the, the senator's wives were, were picking them, trying to pick him apart when he talked about that kind of stuff, which was really ignorant and stupid, so... So, um, you know, D hit him really hard with a lot of things, you know, freedom of speech and comparing him to movies. Uh, and at the end of the day, they ended up putting a label on all the records that had any kind of lyrical content of, you know, things uh, that were deemed inappropriate for younger kids. And uh, it helped sell the records at the end of the day. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh he stood up with Frank Zappa and John Denver. I was there to document it. You can even see me behind them taking pictures. I'm like the only 
photographer with long hair, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, you know, there's – and this segues into something that uh, you probably don't get asked about that often, but I'm definitely definitely going to ask you about. Um, that scene uh, with, you know, the real-life scene with Dee at the PMRC hearings was kind of recreated in the movie Trick or Treat where Sammy Kerr is, uh, is basically Dee. Um, you know, telling, uh, uh, whoever he's, he's pointing his finger at in the movie, you know, we will bring you down. That movie is, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't successful, but I saw it because I was the perfect age loving horror movies and loving heavy metal, um, to be crazy excited about trick or treat when it came out. Um, and you did all of those amazing promo photos of the late Tony Fields and Ozzy together and um I, I got I gotta talk to you about that. And let me and let me tell you before you before you get into it, a couple of years ago, this is how much I love that movie. A couple of years ago I rented out a movie theater for my birthday uh in Orange County and um you know had all my friends come and we watched Trick or Treat. <laughs> so, and, and a lot of them hadn't seen it. <laughs> they were like, what is this movie? And I'm like, oh my God, you know. Right, 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 right. So yeah, I'm a uh I'm a, a, a big, big fan of, of that movie and, and all of its silliness and awesomeness. What can you tell me about the film and, and uh, you know, how you ended up doing all the publicity stuff? They just, anytime Ozzy did something, I would uh, I would tag along for the ride. So I'd always keep my ears open. And if I didn't hear back here from Sharon, uh, I was friends with Jake at the time. So he would let me know some stuff that was going on and uh, just the whole camp. I would just stay in touch. And, uh, you know, like when they, he played at the, uh, he did the event at, uh, the wrestling. That picture with Jesse, the body Ventura. Yeah. Future yeah. governor. I know. Right. Uh, but yeah, the trick or treat photo, you know, it's another thing, just like the docking photo with Freddy Krueger, mm -hmm. uh, just there on the set, set up a backdrop, and, uh, you know, we had some fun. Now, I know that movie was mostly shot in North Carolina. Was the uh, – did Ozzy do his stuff in L.A. or I – think, I think I did that in L.A., actually. Yeah. One of the great things about your photos is that it's the two of them together because they're not actually together in the film. You know, all of Ozzy's scenes, he's on the television. And you had, and you had him dressed in the uh, – dressed up like the televangelist in those photos, too, which is just – Awesome. Super awesome. Do you remember much about um, Tony Fields, the guy who played Sammy Kerr? Uh, not really. I don't, you know, I don't remember too much about that whole thing. Yeah, it's it's a bummer because he passed away. Just uh, you now, know, was he a solid later. gold dancer? He was a solid gold dancer. <laughs> I shot him. Uh, I shot him with Andy Gibb and the Solid Gold Dancers. Oh no, you're kidding! No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I might even be in the book actually. In 1982, I might have used it in the chapter opener. I think I might have. I think there's one in there. I'm gonna take another look <laughs> and see if I come across it. It's funny, and that's again what a nerd I am about that movie. Is there's some stuff that Sammy Kerr does on stage where where you see you see the solid gold dancer coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, yeah. he I don't he wasn't like he was a metal guy. He was a guy. He was a guy, an actor playing a metal guy. Yeah, you know, see. Some, oh, of the, right. some of the dance so, moves and stuff. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, those are. Yeah, those I just looked. Things. It's not in here, but it was in there. I took them out. 
Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, like I said, I could I could literally spend ten minutes talking about every single photo in the book, and photos not in the book, uh, which uh, brings me to my last question, which is another great segue. With so such a, a volume of of stuff from over the years with so many classic bands, whether it's you know Van Halen, Maiden, Priest. How did you decide what goes in the book and what doesn't? And as a secondary to that, uh, what when's volume two happening? Yeah, well, it, it ended up being 600 pages, and I had to cut out a couple hundred, uh, which was not easy to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just I wanted the, this book to be about the shoots that really – shaped me you know things that were important uh photo shoots that led to other photo shoots uh mostly album covers on the road photos some of my favorite photos uh photos that have stories to it uh that was that that's this book and the early years of course to introduce everyone to who i am because my plan is to have a a whole bunch of books that's what i would assume you as you should (laughs) yeah so i wanted this one to be a narrative and really show people this is really me because at the same time I was shooting boy George and the cure and Madonna and all these pop bands and rock bands, Tom Petty, you know, things that aren't in the book, uh, as they shouldn't be because of the nature of the book. But, um, but I do want to do a a book, uh, of just kind of like, you know, more of a pop kind of, you know, mixing in rock stars too. That's not a book I want to put out next, but I think the next book, I like it to be one of the bands that I want to do a a, a complete book on, like a Motley Crue or a Van Halen mm. or a Bon Jovi or Ozzy, you know, like someone, you know, and I've reached, I'm starting to reach out to them uh, to see, because, you know, I always like to have their co- cooperation and, and input. Uh, so I still got to put some feelers out to, uh, I mean, I mentioned it to, the Ozzy camp and the, and the Motley camp. Uh, but I just been so busy. I haven't had a chance to even breathe and think about it with everything I got going on. And then, uh, and then my second book or, or another book would be, uh, kind of, uh, the decade that rocked and I would call it like black and white, pretty much like I have a black and white archive files of, all these black and white photos that I've taken because, and I haven't really even barely, I developed them, but I didn't do contact sheets. So I don't even know what I have. Mm. I, I mean, I kind of know what I have, uh, but I didn't like study them and know exactly. Uh, but it's pretty much photos of the bands on the road, on the tour buses, photos that I wasn't even expecting to sell to a magazine. Cause when you shoot black and white, it's, you don't only make $25 a photo back then color is like a hundred bucks, you know, sometimes more depending on the size. So I would just, I love photo shooting all the time. I always had a camera. So I, the shots that I knew wouldn't make the magazines, I would shoot black and white because it's cheaper and you don't have to, you know, you can, I can develop it myself. And so I have hundreds of not thousands of rolls of film of the same artists that are in the book but very intimate backstage, you know, photos that, you know, probably uh, would be a little risque too. Uh, (laughs) 
So, you know, those will probably come out and we'll just call it like, you know, the decade that rock black and white, you know, down and dirty or something, you know. What One last thing, actually, that ties into how did you choose? How did you decide on that specific shot of GNR to be the cover that would represent you and, and that whole decade and all the bands that are inside? Well, I was looking for a shot, you know, Motley was considered, Van Halen, uh, Ozzy. Uh, the back cover was actually considered that's with Ozzy and Tommy Lee, you know. Uh, but I just wanted a, a really cool rock and roll band. You know, to me, Guns N' Roses are the stones of the, the, the 80s. I agree. Uh, and uh, And that photo meant a lot to me because... The first time I shot him, he gave me the finger, uh, you know, like under his leg, just kind of like that, uh, the way he has it, you know, under the towel. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, he's telling me to fuck off, you know? And, and then I found out, like, that's kind of his, like, you know, little signal that, I, you know, he, he's kind of liking what's going on. Nice. <laughs> and, you know. Also, fucking the establishment, you know, he never really wanted to pose in magazines and things, and he knew he had to. He also had another photographer. At first, he didn't want to shoot with me and uh, because he wanted to shoot with his buddy. And then the publicist, Bryn Bryanthal, uh, put her, you know, I, you know, who I've known through Motley Crue, said, you know, you really should work with Mark. You'd like him, and you really should expand over your one friend photographer because he can help you get in some magazines and things. So, you know, they, they gave me a chance. It was a quick shoot. It was the 1986 shoot when all their hair was really high <laughs> and he gave me the finger there. And then when I saw this shot, I was like, Oh God, geez, he's giving me the finger again. So that was okay. cool. And, uh, yeah, so it's just a full circle kind of like, this is my, like one of this is my last band shot. And that was my first band shot. Amazing. And, you know, for me, having grown up in Indiana, I especially love, you know, that Axel and Izzy are placed next to each other and they're kind of leaning on each other. It's just yeah, right. so awesome. Just love it. Um, well, Mark, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Wish you all the success with the book and books in the future. It, I think it's just such an important document, and I love the the personal feel to it, as you mentioned, that, the, you know, there's weddings and all the stuff that's in there you know that you're these are these are your friends these aren't just rock stars you're taking photos of so it's very cool all right thanks man